Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. G'day, DJ Payne here and welcome to episode 22 of Thrive Deeper. This is a bonus extra podcast as we wrap up the edition of the Daily Reader Thrive Deeper, the green, uh, tearly, aqua, whatever you want to call it, edition that has been with us since August, September and October. We're going to be talking about Titus and Philemon. And as we head into the brand new red edition of November, December and January and into the book of Ezra, we're going to be uh, giving a bit of an introduction on that. Also have a uh, you know some special stuff for you that I'll tell you at the end of the discussion. But after the break, Matthew and I will be getting into these final letters from Paul to Titus and Philemon on Thrive Deeper. All right, we're back with a bonus podcast. Man, I haven't even... I don't even. I don't even ask you anymore about pr- approving these uh, bonus podcasts. I just say time to come and record. Uh, th- this is a bonus. Is yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Wow. There, there was a bonus last week. We put out two episodes last week. So we- I'm being generous, and I don't even really know that I'm being generous. I just, I just, <laughs> I just rocked up, really. That's it. You, 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 you've so discombobulated mm. with all of the mm. travelling that you've done and everything that you've got on. I'm taking advantage of that and saying, yeah, it's time mm. to record again. I never liked the word bonus. I... Yeah, so we need to come up with another word for bonus. Uh, it's just an extra. It's just a double down. I don't know yeah. what it is. Yeah. Okay, so the reason why we're doing this extra podcast yeah. at the moment is because we finished up First and Second Timothy. Yeah. And then in, in wrapping up this, uh, this edition of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide, this beautiful teal green edition for August, September, October 2018, mm. there are two books we've left out. Yeah. So we thought we've got to come in here and pay respect to Titus and Philemon. That's right. You could almost miss Philemon, but it's a really important book. Yes. Yeah. As, and, and, as we will make and, clear. And so is Titus. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So is Titus there. So I thought, let, look, let's come and do one more because we're about to move into the brand new edition of Thrive. Uh, and this is the edition for November, taking us all the way to January, the Fire Engine Red Edition. And we're going back to the Old Testament. That's right. So the the, the rhythm of, of the Thrive Bible Reading Guide is generally two Old Testament editions to one New Testament edition. So yeah. that's uh, so we go back to some amazing, uh, amazing books, actually, uh, Book of Ezra, as well as some of the Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, as well as um, uh, Haggai, Zechariah, uh, that, some of the prophets, Malachi, the prophets from that uh, time as well. Awesome, awesome. Okay, well, how about this? How about we, we get stuck into the, the wrapping up and saying goodbye to uh, to the writings of Paul for a while with Titus yeah. and Philemon. We'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll give everybody a bit of an, uh, an overview and intro to yeah. the book of Ezra. Yeah. All right, so uh, the book of Titus, uh, you know, uh, you know, sometimes forgotten over there, loosely, uh, you know, going over there. People like, oh, it covers a lot of the same stuff as Timothy and Second Timothy there, sort of instructions to mm. a pastor, you know, doing his thing. But there's a little bit more. There's something about Titus that I really dig. Yeah, it is. It's it belongs uh, as one of the uh, pastoral epistles, as they're known. Mm. Um, so, like uh, 
Timothy Titus is a young leader. He travelled with Paul. Uh, Paul planted churches in Crete, um, but then he moves on and he leaves Titus in Crete uh, to oversee these churches. Um, and Paul hasn't really even had time to appoint elders or uh, really. It's, it's really new work here in Crete. And so he's giving instructions in this letter to, uh, to Titus to do that. Now, it's interesting that these letters, these pastoral epistles, that they are not uh, just personal letters. That they're, And this includes Philemon, actually, which you would very much think was just a personal letter to one person. Why yeah. do we still have it today? Yeah. Well, uh, they're very consciously written, actually, uh, pub- to, to be publicly used. Um, so Paul was writing these letters. So it's not like he wrote letters and just they just got picked up. You know, they were intended initially as just personal letters, and then later on they've been picked up and, and made into something more. Yeah. As some often letters, you know, collections of letters hmm. um, uh, uh, often that happens. But with, in Paul's case, he's conscious of the fact that he's writing these letters and they're going to be publicly, more publicly used. And that's the case with Titus. So it's instructions for Titus um, around the establishment of this church. And of course, in those instructions are very important instructions, a really important blueprint for the church. Yeah. So that's with a of C. which we are part, of which yeah. all of us are part. So it's it's not just uh, something that concerns Titus as a as the leader of that church. It's something that uh, really concerns us all as part of the church. Okay. So a little bit about Titus. He's a Gentile. He's Greek. That's right. But he actually, unlike Timothy, uh, he because of some work among the Jews. Um, Paul had Timothy circumcised, poor old Timothy. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, uh, but not the same with, with Titus. In Titus's case, r- really to make a, a statement, I guess, uh, that uh, Titus was not to go through that uh, Jewish rite. Mm. Now, why mm. did he make that statement? And why, and why did poor old Timothy have to go through that, that Yeah, that's ordeal? right. Well, different circumstances. I mean, Paul, in those early stages, Paul just didn't want that argument with the Jews mm. uh, at that stage. Uh, but at the slightly later stage, um, he, you know, so much of Paul's message has been: you don't need to go through this Jewish ceremony. Uh, the, the 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 gospel now opens it up to all uh, nations, and this isn't necessary. That the rite of circumcision. So um, uh, that is withheld from Titus as a symbol of its uh, of the fact that it's an unnecessary thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, so that's the man Titus. Yeah. Uh, another another. Um, sort of student or disciple yeah. or, yeah. you know, uh, apprentice Padawan, you know, to, yeah. to, the, to the mighty Paul. <laughs> yeah. Paul sent him off to the island of Crete. Yeah. Now, now, the island of Crete in this age is infamous for a, for a few different things. Yeah, well, it's um, it's interesting that, that he, quotes, he quotes from a, um, a Cretan uh, philosopher in, in uh, chapter 1, verse, uh, where is it, verse 12, he says, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And then you expect him to say, oh, that's a bit <laughs> He goes on and says, this testimony is true. Uh, so so he, Paul must have had a hard time uh, in, in Crete, but it's not, look, it, no, it's not about that. And, and he's, not, um, he's not just, it sounds like, uh, sounds a bit harsh, like he's generalising, but this is, this is actually 
you know, he's experienced this with with these sort of group of people, and mm. and so he's warning uh, he's warning Titus there uh, to you know. Uh, Pull them into shape, yeah. really. I mean, we uh, need to pull these people into shape. I, and I think it's so applic- applicable, even though we are not, you know, we are not Titus. We are not uh, young pastors. Most people listening right now yeah. are not young pastors, you, yeah. know, you, know, you yeah. know, living on this, you know, living on an island. But we are believers. And a lot of us sometimes, especially in the cultures that we live in, can be feel like, oh my goodness, I'm surrounded by. Cretans, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm surrounded by a lot of people who are just not interested in 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 what I believe in. That's right, yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. We even have the 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 saying Cretans. You know, we talk some he's a Cretan. You know, (laughs) I mean, this is that survived through to to the to the present. Two thousand years later, two thousand years later, we still have that expression. It comes from uh, comes from this, but yeah, it it was a it was a bit of an outpost. It was a um, you know, it was a hard place. Uh, entrenched in paganism, um, you know they had their work cut out for them here. But you know the gospel is exerting this this transforming influence on this culture, and Paul is instructing Titus to let that carry right through. You know, mm. let make sure mm. it it impacts every part of their life, which which is um, which is an important uh, element about the early message. It isn't just that they weren't going out there saying, believe in Jesus so you can go to heaven when you die. Mm. Uh, they are they are seeing that the gospel, the good news, is the good news about the kingdom of God, um, that, that uh, Jesus is Lord. And this is meant to fundamentally change the lives of, of people and yeah. as well as they see it as changing um, the cities that they're... That they're um, uh, ministering in, so I, I think again, and we'll see this as well with very much with Philemon, that there's this this ripple effect that this is meant to have, and Paul wants Titus to make sure that carries through. Now, something that something that I've always loved about the book of Titus, and it's so easy to read. It's just three little chapters, you know, three yeah. little chapters from Paul to this, you know, to this young pastor over there, really doing his best. Look. We, we live in, depending on what, uh, you know, depending what culture or background or belief type of set you come from, you mm. know, especially the, in different churches, a dirty word amongst some Christians can be the word doctrine. Yeah. They hear the word doctrine and they go, oh, brother, brother, doctrine divides, you know, yeah, but yeah, love, yeah. love encompasses. It's all about love. Yeah. And, you know, and that can be true for some people, mm. you know, that can be, there can be that. And yes, doctrine can get abused and people can use different mm. teachings in different way. But I love the book of Titus because Paul makes the whole point that good doctrine yeah. in a good order really applied to your life as, and especially yeah. as this young person, young preacher, he yeah. just has to keep on giving them good doctrine, the yeah. right doctrine, the right teaching, and it'll change their lives. Yeah, that's right. Not only change their lives. But then have an effect yeah, that's right. to the community, to the Cretans around yeah, yeah. them. It's going yeah. to have an effect there, and it all comes from this seed of good doctrine. Yeah. So he says in the beginning of chapter two, "As for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine." Mm. Uh, and uh, th- this isn't. I mean, it's at this stage, it's not necessarily the kind of abstract teaching that we now that we know as church doctrine. It's. Um, it's actually um, much more uh, practical because he goes on, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled. Mm. It's actually about, it's very much 
uh, about how they are to live because there were people, and the concern here is that of false teachers coming in saying, no, 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 you need to do this and do that. You need to stop doing this and stop doing that. Yeah. And coming in with all of, all of the rules. And there's a classic statement in, in, in this letter where Paul says, to the pure, all things are pure, mm. but to the impure, all things are impure. Yeah. I, th- I think there's a genius in that statement because, yeah. because um, these false teachers are wanting to say, "Don't touch this, don't do that, don't you know." And Paul is saying, "Listen, uh, he, he, he's th- this this new. <clears throat> he's coming in with this message that essentially brings a new kind of worldview. Jesus is Lord, right? Which means that everything is being redeemed. Mm. Which means that those things that you once thought were." unclean or impure like we actually purify those things they don't make us impure we purify those things yeah and and we know that to be the case with you know different foods and different rules around those sorts of things or even things like marriage sexuality things that these sorts of teachers were saying oh that's all evil all of that stuff yeah paul's saying no no to the pure we we purify these things. We redeem these things, mm. um, so that they so that they can be what they're meant to be. Yeah. Um, so, so the doctrine uh, here, and and it certainly does carry elements of belief, uh, beliefs about who Jesus is, and uh, that actually is a very important uh, aspect of that. So it's not st- discounting that, um, but it's ultimately with a view to preserving the power and the simplicity. Of the of the message, so it doesn't get overlaid with all different complexities. It doesn't become about. And again, at the in this letter, uh, Paul warns Timothy about getting caught up in endless controversies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, arguments Titus, over. Sorry, so, end of, sorry, end of Titus. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> at the end of Titus, like in Timothy. Yeah, exactly. Don't get caught up in these endless abstract controversies. Yes. Genealogies. Or, yeah, again. genealogies and. Uh, like, just don't get caught up in all of that. Um, stick to the central message. Preserve the central message. Mm. Make sure you always teach. And again, that uh, central that. message being the incarnation of Christ. Yeah, that's right. This is this is Christ. You know, this is what He's done yeah. for us. This changes everything. That's right. Yeah. And it's the message about the kingdom. It's the message about what God right. has done, and what what God is doing, and what God is going to do. Mm. So it's really, I think, that's a great way of. Of looking at what the message that he's trying to preserve—that it's—it's a message about something that God has done, that He did in a, not only starting from Abraham right through all the events in the Old yeah. Testament, but all of that culminated, of course, in Christ. So what God has done in Christ and everything that led up to that, what He is doing, He is establishing His kingdom, mm. and then what He is going to do. Uh, and that, of course, is the return of Christ and and the um, ushering in of a, of a new heavens and new earth, yeah. uh, as well as the judgment and so forth. So, so there are these um, uh, these elements that they he wanted them to keep in mind, focus on that because that has enormous practical import for our lives today. Yeah, totally. I, th- I think a great summary. I mean, I had someone the other day say to me, "What exactly is the gospel?" Someone who's been a Christian for a long time, yeah. and I had just been reading Titus. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Three chapters of what what the gospel is yeah. today in our life summed up perfectly yeah, yeah, in right. the book yeah. of Titus because Paul just has those great quotes. There's great memory verses in Titus, yeah, yeah, you right. know, about look how we look forward to his, you know, yeah. to his coming and how we are to live, yeah, you know, right. in the day to day. It's it's great. I love yeah. I love the book of Titus. That's right. I would, you know, the the way I would sum it up, 
um, is the, the gospel? I think that's a very good question, actually. Mm. I mean, the gospel is that God has come to us in Jesus Christ and rec- through his death has reconciled us to himself mm. um, so, that, so that we can bring this message of reconciliation out to the world. And it's important that the, the, the worldwide scope is part of the message. It's like um, uh, that God has come to us in Jesus Christ, that he has won the world through his death. He's won the world to us. So he is Lord. So it's something, it, it, is, it is a message about um, that focuses on Christ, what Christ has done, who Christ is, and what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great summary. And again, in the last bit, in chapter 3, that final chapter in Titus, he goes through and he has the big hitters like verse 5, you know, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved yeah. us, you know, and he just lays yeah. it out, you know, then it's because of the, he saved us through the washing of the regeneration yeah. of the spirit, you know, going on laying yeah. it out there. So clear. Yeah, and, and and I think it's important that part of the good news, uh, and this is an important aspect, is that because of what Christ has done and is doing, our, our lives can be changed. Mm. That's important. It's mm. Again, it's not just I get my ticket to heaven. Yeah. Uh, the good news is that, you know, he, God is taking charge of yes. things and making things the way that he wants them to be. Yeah. Uh, because remember, it's... It's, they, they refer to it as the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. And Jesus announced and announced that and said the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. So it, it's very much um, a, a message of transformation that, that, the world, that God is changing the world. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. That, 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 that double impact that Paul does so yeah. well. Here's, here's the big high thought, yeah. and it impacts like That's this right. day to yeah. day. That's All right, right, now, moving on to a massive impact, especially for the culture of the time, yeah. Is the next book written around the same time? These all written yeah, around sixty six, right. the same time yeah. around First Timothy yeah. is written. Yeah, that's right. Like a batch of letters from that first imprisonment there from yeah. Paul. We've have we have the book of Philemon. Yeah, and this also goes now. The book of Philemon, very very briefly, is like part two or like a like a a joined letter yeah. with the book of Colossians. Yeah, you know yeah, that's right. So. Um, uh, it flows on well from what we just said because we've just said that uh, that this good news is that because of what Christ has done and is doing, uh, it changes things. It changes our lives. Mm. Now, it f- it, it's absolutely revolutionary. This is the uh, it, it fundamentally changes how we actually relate to each other, how we do life. It, it changes all of the paradigms, the worldly paradigms. It flips those on on their head. This is. Uh, the, the lordship of Christ. This is what this does, mm. and nowhere do we see this more polarized than in an issue like slavery. Now, now, um, uh, Phil- the the letter to Philemon, and it is a letter. Mm. It's it's a it's a short uh, it's a short letter, uh, unlike the other ones. Twenty five verses long. Yeah, that's right. Four hundred and thirty words. Yeah, not even. So it's like the shortest. One chapter. It's not that's even. That's right. Yeah. So it's the shortest document in the included in the New Testament. So it's a letter to Philemon, who is a an earlier convert of Paul, um, uh, probably from his Ephesian time in Ephesus, lives mm. in Colossae. Mm. He uh, had this slave called Onesimus, and Onesimus ran away and somehow uh, came under the ministry of Paul, came to faith under Paul, came, became a believer, and works with Paul. And, and Paul's eager then to send him back. Mm. Uh, to uh, feels that this is important, you know, to, to, that he go back to Philemon, 
And so he, he sends him back, probably with, with Tychicus, if, if we go back to Colossians, yeah. Tychicus was going to carry this letter, these letters uh, back to uh, Colossae. Mm. And, and one of that would have been this letter. And, and Philemon was, sorry, uh, Anesimus was to go as well. Yeah, and he mentions him at the end of, at the end of uh, Colossians here, in the last chapter of Colossians. Yeah. He says, you know, all my affairs will be made known to you by Tychicus, uh, yeah. uh, the beloved brother, faithful servant and fellow bond servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know, uh, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. And together with Onesimus, yeah. the faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will make known to you everything that is going on here. And it's like, okay. dun, 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 dun. Yeah, so, so that's, a, that's a good introduction. So yeah. he, now, now the, the key thing here is that he's a slave, right? Yes. Now, slaves were not seen as even real, treated like real people. Yeah. I mean, they, they were, you know, uh, they had no rights. They were, they were at the, the lowest of the low. Mm. So you notice there he, he, he warms he warms the congregation up by saying, I'm sending Anesimus, who is a brother. Yes. Uh, and he's one of you. Yeah. Now, already that's completely revolutionary because at no point uh, is there this sense uh, that that slaves are the equals of everyone else. Yeah. And this is what this is what I think is revolutionary about the way about this letter. And it's easy to miss this because you think, oh, this is a strange letter in the midst. Like, what's the big deal here? But it, 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 N.T. writes this interesting thing about this in his um, massive work on, on Paul, um, uh, published a few years ago. Uh, he begins uh, with the letter to Philemon. Uh, N.T. Wright begins this mm. massive work. Mm. with, And he says that if all that we had was this letter um, to Philemon, it would raise massive questions. If all that we, we didn't have any other part of the New Testament, wow. Wow. and this just came out to us from ancient history, we would be thinking, what is, where what is this movement? Yeah. There is nothing like it. Is, there's nothing like it. It's completely, completely countercultural uh, because he's saying that, uh, that Anesimus is to be received as a brother, part of the community, mm. uh, that he is a, he's an equal sharer in the um uh, equal in, heir, really, of Christ, mm. and this is this is, I think, the power of the gospel. You know, Paul often talks about the power of the gospel, in that it transforms things really from the inside out. Um, you know, take an issue like slavery. Slavery is so indicative, really, of the human condition. You mm. know, we we rebel against God uh, in the name of autonomy. I'm going to rule my own life. That's autonomy, right? Mm. Now, if I want to rule my own life and be autonomous, naturally my autonomy is going to come in conflict with your autonomy, right? So that's going to put people uh, in conflict with people and someone loses, right? Someone becomes uh, the, the, the oppressor and someone becomes the slave, right? Yeah. There's, you know, that's there's, the human condition yeah, right that's, there. That is the human condition. So slavery really is, is indicative of the, of, the, of the fallen world, right? It's, I think it's one of the... the the, the great symbols of the fallen world, mm. that slavery and oppression like this should even exist. So here is a situation where within the household uh, of God, within the community of faith, there is a slave and there's a master. Mm. And um, it, it's Which this is left over from the fallen yes. world, right? Now they've come into God's kingdom, right? And it's not, oh, let's just keep going and, and we'll bunker down and wait till Jesus comes back and he'll sort things out. No, it fundamentally changes things now. Yeah. It it 
it redefines all relationships. And, and in Galatians, um, Paul talks about there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, slave nor free. So, and it's interesting statement there, I think, in, in chapter 3 of Galatians, where he's saying he's, there, there are now, like, um, uh, nationality, class and gender, like the gospel just yeah. flattens all yeah. of that. And it's, it, it's it's the the embodiment of the of the you know the bumper sticker that we see, uh, you know, the, yeah. the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. know, and like we go, oh yeah, whatever. We hear it in a song or a T-shirt or whatever. Yeah. We go, no, no, that's exactly what Paul's saying here. Yeah, the, Philemon as a slave owner isn't a couple of steps higher, no. or in our modern way of thinking. A couple of steps lower yeah. because he's a slave owner. Yeah, he's level with Onesimus at the foot of the cross. Yeah, that's right. So it's there's this revolutionary thing that happens where, where, and you can imagine how difficult this is because, you know, Roman society was was a a, a class society. Mm. I mean, intensely so. Um, and uh, and here is here is Paul saying, well, none of that now that doesn't apply within the Christian community. We are to be completely countercultural, and uh, and so he he commends Onesimus to Philemon. Now that the, the Onesimus, the name means useful, yeah. and he says at one point he's he has become useless <laughs> to you. Yeah. No, no, you he consider was, him useless. Yeah, he was he useless was, yeah. to you because obviously he ran away. Um, but now he's become useful to me and to you. So let's take a moment, and and we're not we're sort of filling in the blanks here. We've got a little bit of tradition, we've got a little bit of interpretation, we've got a little bit of ideas yeah. of what's happened. So in this in this church, you know, uh, probably in, in in you know Colossae, there we have Philemon, who's obviously a well-to-do believer yeah. in there. He has he owns slaves and things well, like he, that. Well, he's actually he's actually it's at his house that yeah. the church, church meets. Is meeting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he has some slaves now. At some point, Onesimus, the slave, yeah. the useless, you know, the use, yeah, you know, yeah. the use, useless one, uh, does something. Whether he steals money or yeah. does something, and that's what a lot of people yeah. would say. He's taken something. And he's like, here's my chance. I'm out of here. Rome, here I come. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he takes off to Rome. Now, at some point, he's either come unstuck. He's run out of money. He's done the prodigal son thing. We don't know exactly. Yeah. And whether or not. This is the the bits that we're sort of adding in together. Did Onesimus know Paul from beforehand? Well, probably he served yeah. Paul in the household, yeah. and he's probably sat underneath Paul's mm. teaching. Was he a believer? Of you know, I think we get the idea that probably not when he took off. Yeah. But now that he somehow needed some help, or you know, bumped yeah. back into Paul and the gang, he's come back to him, and he's finally sat under the teaching. And now Paul is making it very obvious: this man is saved now. He's one of us. Yeah. He needs to be useful. I love having him here. He's he's learning yeah. and he's teaching. He's been a great help, but I can't just sit on it. This needs to be fixed. Yeah, this needs to be fixed. I think yeah. uh, you know Paul. He, he, you know, because there's there's some debate over what is Paul actually asking for here. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a little indirect. Yeah, and and it's it's. It seems like he actually does want Anisimus to come back and, yeah. and help him. He wants Anisimus as a helper, so he's sort of politely and in a veiled way asking Philemon uh, for that. You yeah. know, basically saying, "Can he be free? Yeah, can he be a free? That's man right." So he's asking to set him free, and yeah. and uh, so, um, 
and and you know Paul even says whatever he whatever cost he's incurred, yeah. I will pay that. Yeah, take it. Yeah, totally. you know. And I, and I love the asterisk there. <laughs> I love this is so Paul. We see so much of Paul's yeah. clever way of thinking, yeah. where he's like. You know, and I don't have to remind you. I don't have to remind you. Yeah. You owe me your life. But hey, That's hey, right. hey, I'm not going to mention it. I'm not going to mention it. You know, That's he, right. And, he, and yeah. the way, and I love the other thing. This has really shaped my way as a young man of seeing how, you know, I think sometimes depending on your personality, you left to your devices, especially if you've worked in the church for a while, you begin to think negatively about everybody or yeah. you're hoping for the very least. Yeah, yeah. I just want this. Oh, please. Yeah. Paul has this attitude of, I'm aiming for the very best. Yeah, I'm this is what I expect, expect a lot from you. I expect yeah. this, and he sort of acts like it's going to happen. Yeah, and I love that. It taught yeah. me so much about how. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah like, very good point. And again, yeah. we can get into like business-wise and negotiation. Yeah, like yeah. Paul's very sharp yeah. in these type of things, but just spiritually, how we deal with each other's, yeah. how we deal with each other's, yeah. how we deal with other people. He always expects the very best. Yeah, it's I, and I think this is part of this new community idea. I mean, Paul. Paul didn't want to incur any cost for people. He, he wasn't. Uh, he, he really didn't ask much. I mean, mm. he works for his own living. He re, he 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 advocates the idea that the workers are worthy of their wages, and he encourages churches to support those who work for him. But he says, "As for me, I, I I'm not going to receive that. I have a right to that, but I'm not going to receive that." And yet, um, he he also recognizes that uh, we we can expect things from from each other not mm-hmm. in an entitlement sense of being entitled but this is a new kind of community actually where uh, we should be able to rely on other and he feels that he can rely on Philemon mm. you know getting to the issue of slavery I mean this is an interesting issue because um, you know why didn't Paul just say uh, slavery is wrong you should all all Christians should release their slaves now that's Whoa. not going to work that's not going to work in the ancient world because where are they going to go I mean, you just said the Philemon escaped, right? <laughs> that doesn't work out for him, no, right? No, no. Because where are you going to go so in the Anes- actual Anesimus? Oh, sorry, Anesimus. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's easy to do. It's yeah, easy no. to do. So, so Anesimus runs away. Yeah. Uh, and, and as you said, it just doesn't go well for him. So um, the, freeing the slaves uh, isn't really going to work. It's that they, They're part of these household, a, a, a household in, the, in ancient Rome, uh, you know, of someone like, uh, Philemon is going to involve a number of slaves. Yeah. So this is a classic case of how how Jesus changes things. It's not that he he doesn't work from the outside, but from the inside. He changes it from the inside. It's like dissolves it. Mm. Uh, it's like the difference. I'm, I'm thinking about this at the moment because I'm uh, for my sermon prep on Sunday, and I was where I'm going to be preaching on Philemon, and and I was thinking about it. Uh, a way of illustrating this. And it's a little bit like the difference between uh, uh, like saying, like, I'm going to destroy this building. You know, it's like it's either an elephant or an ant. Like now an elephant can crush the building, but ants actually can get like white ants can get in there and completely dissolve the thing from the inside out. Mm. I, mean, I, I don't know if anyone's familiar with what white ants can do. It's one of the most remarkable things. Literally can can dissolve a building. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and this is the, the, the you know, the gospel has this inside out kind of effect, this sort of white ant effect where it goes into situations of oppression and evil and 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 it, it's not that um, systemic change shouldn't happen or institutional change shouldn't happen. Mm. But what should happen first really is this 
uh, is this inside-out kind of change. Yeah. So, you know, the fact is, is that the gospel caused these two people, slave and master, to completely change the way that they related to each other. Mm. Mm. So now they're brothers. Now they're equal. Mm. Now what a way to change things from the inside out. Yeah. Uh, so that um, so that slaves in um, wealthy households in the early Christian church, they were, and, and, and Paul's exhortations to this effect in Ephesians and, and other letters, were to the effect that they, they had to t- treat them like, Brothers, because mm. when it came to the Lord's Day, they were going to be sitting at the same communion table, mm. of which Jesus says, if you go to the communion table and someone has something against you, sort it out right yeah, there, right? Yeah. So, you know, so they were to relate to each other. Now that, as brothers, and that is absolutely revolutionary. And that's what comes through uh, this this letter of Philemon. So yes, short letter, yeah. doesn't seem like there's much going on. I tell you, there's a universe of change going yeah, on. Yeah. And, and this letter is an indication of that. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, I don't, and to wrap up the story, you can imagine, um, you know, Onesimus the slave, you know, having found Christ, been sitting under the teaching of Paul, being, you know, his whole life has changed. And Paul's like, dude, there's a massive, you've got a massive, we've got something to solve over yeah, here. Yeah. But here's my, here's my plan. This is what I want, want yeah. to see happen. And Onesimus being a slave probably couldn't read. You know, he's taking, you know, yeah. so he's going back with a letter, yeah. you know, type of thing. And he's hoping Paul yeah. hasn't, like, yeah. you know, said anything else in there. The fear and the trembling that he's going back to yeah. someone that he's wronged, not only someone that he's yeah. wronged, someone who's, you know, who, who's been his master for yeah. years, going back and saying, This is me. We can only imagine, yeah. we can only imagine yeah. the fear in his heart. And we have to imagine because we don't really know, but we like to think there was a massive happy ending. You know, yeah, here. yeah, and that Philemon, of course, yeah. took him back, forgave him, and Anesimus went back to be with yeah. Paul, hopefully, eventually. And you know, it's a it's a lot happier ending than it would have been because, of course, the the punishment for escaped slaves in yeah. Rome was crucifixion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, Anesimus is uh, is being saved from something very significant. I think even that's uh, very significant. Testament behind us, going further back in the time machine. That's right. Uh, back about, uh, what are we doing? About 500 years before uh, the writings of Paul that mm-hmm. we're reading here, uh, we're going back to the time of Ezra. That's right. So picking up from the story, and as I mean, the Thrive Reading Guide works through uh, the Old Testament narratives in order, yep. in historical order. And so uh, we left off in the, the, the last Old Testament of edition uh, of Thrive, we looked at Ezekiel and Daniel mm. and uh, that period of the exile mm. the, and, and everything leading up to there. Now, for those of coming in fresh who might, right. not, who might not be knowing this, and you might be totally new to the Bible, summing up the time of the exile very, very briefly okay. is... Okay. So uh, the um, in uh, five third, uh, sorry, 586 B.C., Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians and uh, the the people were taken into exile. The survivors were taken into exile. There was a couple of other deportations before that. 
the reason for this was was the um, uh, the rebellion, persistent rebellion of God's people. They didn't listen to God. Warning, warning, you know, warning after warning. And so uh, this disaster occurred. It didn't need to be as bad as it was, but they kept resisting the Babylonians to the end. Taken into exile uh, into the area of Babylonia and, and resettled uh, there. Um, it was prophesied that they would be there 70 years. Now, the first to be taken actually back in 605 when the Babylonians first made an incursion to the area was Daniel. So from the time of Daniel, when Daniel went into exile, uh, it was actually 70 years uh, from that time. Mm. According, and what an amazing prediction. Um, so the Babylonians, uh, the Babylonia was quite an amazing, amazing city in the ancient world, uh, thought to be impenetrable. Um, but towards the in the second half of the 6th century BC, so we're talking the 500s, the, the Persians came to prominence, and particularly Cyrus the Persian, who was uh, a great military strategist, great general. Um, he had conquered uh, enormous territories and now set his sights on Babylon. And he actually managed to take Babylon without a battle in the middle of the night. Mm. Uh, it's an amazing story, actually, um, how he, uh, they, they, they diverted the river, actually, so that they could come under the walls um, uh, through the riverbank, and they actually broke into Babylon that way on the same night that Belshazzar was having his famous feast. And we read, read about that in, in Daniel. Yeah. Um, so Belshazzar's having his famous feast, and that was at, actually while that was happening, the the Persian army under Cyrus was breaking into the city. Uh, they took the city uh, in, in the middle of the night without a battle. Uh, it was a decisive victory, and Cyrus becomes now the new ruler. Ruler uh, of of, the, of pretty much the known the world. known world. Yeah. yeah. So it's an enormous territory, and his policy is different actually to that of the Babylonians. He is a far more lenient uh, leader. His policy again to is, is to try to win the Win the hearts and um, yeah, minds. Win the hearts and minds of people. Uh, so he he actually liberates exiled peoples. Yeah. Uh, not just the Jews on this famous Cyrus cylinder um, that was discovered in the 19th century. Uh, he has this proclamation about his desire to, to liberate exiled peoples and send them back, to rebuild their temples and to pray for him. Yeah, uh, as the as their emperor. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so he does this. So this is so this is that's a great background to to the you know to the book of you know to the book of Ezra, and we're coming to now the, the time of the end of the exile. That's right. Now again, we need to just reiterate. Um, and and Matt, you did an awesome job of giving us all the dates and everything like that. The big the big spiritual picture here is the the chosen people of God, the Israelites. Yeah. Uh, Rebel, not interested in what God yeah, has yeah. to say, not listen to the prophets. Yeah. God says, I'm going to put you into exile, but trust me, something good is going to come out yeah. of this. I need to sort of shake you up and bring you back. Yeah. They are in that time of exile. You know, the, God is doing a work amongst yeah. them, but they yeah. are heartbroken, heartbroken yeah, to right. be away yeah. from their land and the, yeah. all the promises of God. Yeah. They understand what's going on. And now this end, this time of the exile. Now during the time of the exile is, is this whole, I would say, culturally and even theologically and even um you know what we see today the idea of a jewish man is born like the yeah. idea of judaism yeah. and jewishness is really created in this time yeah, of the them exile. being away from the land they have to sort of reinvent yeah. themselves as people yeah. and now this time that ezra comes along 
and and the time to go back is set to the set yeah, to the right. set to the king. We see Ezra's heart in this. In Ezra nine, he says. Uh, this is the words of Ezra. He says, For we are slaves, yet in our bondage our God has not forsaken us, but has extended loving kindness to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us reviving, to raise up the house of our God and to restore its ruins and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Yeah, that's right. That's, it's, the, it's a wonderful story because the, you know, the exile kind of represent. it was like... Uh, being shut out from God's presence. Now God yeah. was very much there, but but it had this. Um, it was almost like a metaphor, you know, like you have refused to, um, you have refused to listen to me. So I'm 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 sending you away, as it were, from the symbol of my presence, uh, which was the temple. The temple was the symbol of God's favorable presence mm. among His people. Well, the temple was destroyed, and they're sent into exile. Yeah. And of course, Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Mm. Uh, it was a time of great anguish. Uh, they're captives in a foreign land. But it's during this time that they um, started to ask the right questions. They sought God again. They, they uh, not, not everyone, but there was a faithful, uh, you know, there, were, there, were, there was a faithful community, a Jewish community who... Um, actually put together the books of Joshua right through to the book of Kings mm. uh, that were actually put together in the exile. And um, and so there's this thriving community. They experienced something of, of, a, of a revival, really. I mean, the preaching of Ezekiel and Daniel wasn't all in vain. It was no. that they, there was a, a faithful remnant, as yeah. it's called. So um, these people settled down. They had livelihoods. I mean, that, you know, uh, 70 years is a long time. Yeah. Um, it's generations. Yeah, that's right. So th there was a whole generation that had ne never even uh, were born in exile and grew up in, in exile, and that was home for them. So it was a big thing when, when Cyrus issued this decree and said, I'm letting all foreign peoples go home. There yeah. were lots that didn't, actually. And, we, and we're gonna, we'll get a look yeah, into yeah. that as well of what happens to those who remain. Yeah, that's right. In the book so of Esther. That's right. So there were lots that didn't, but... Um, there, there were about 40,000 who ended up in, in different shifts going back to Jerusalem. And the book of Ezra is about the return. Yeah. It's the, it begins with a proclamation of Cyrus, you're free to go. Um, for them, it was remarkable because it's exactly what was prophesied. Even the time period was exactly what was prophesied. They, they are free to go home. And they go home to, uh, to be a part of this new age that God is bringing about. All of the things that Ezekiel and Daniel have talked about, they're going back, they want to be a part of this. Yeah. And that's what they're going back for. Now, uh, that's a great overview. And just a little touch on the on the man Ezra himself. Yeah. Uh, traditionally, it's thought that not only did he write the book of Ezra, he was also uh, helping Nehemiah write, ne like yeah. they originally one book, you know, Ezra and Nehemiah yeah. in, the, in the Jewish Bible yeah. are sort of one book. Traditionally, he's, he's the compiler. Yeah. Of much of what we think of the Old Testament yeah. is, as in the time of the kings and everything like that, he's he's putting all that together yeah. to, to get that together. So Ezra really is outside of Moses writing the five books of the law. Ezra is yeah. a massive part of what yeah, we think yeah. of the Old Testament. Yeah, that's it was right. through his through his vision and through his focus that only was able to be there because of this time of exile. He'd been yeah. like one of these purified new type of Jewish people to come out of this time yeah. of exile and say. People, we've seen what happens yeah, when when right. when when we don't obey. 
yeah. we need to be reminded of this and, yeah. and, and, and look at these stories. That's right. He's a man of the word, you know, and, and this is this is the big problem because they didn't listen to God. And so um, uh, during the time of the exile, you get this faithful remnant that, that rally around, you know, the prophecies of, uh, well, the Torah, the five first the books of Moses, as well as the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah. And, and they've... Uh, and, and they and they also actually put together the the, the sacred history from Joshua through to um, end of Second Kings, uh, and and yes, Ezra may well have been involved. In that. He was a scribe, so a scribe was someone who copied out the copied out the scriptures and was responsible for seeing it passed on and implemented. And this is exactly what we see in the book of Ezra. So they go back to the land, but. Ezra's message is really about first things being first. Yeah. You know, you're going back, you're stepping into God's purpose, but to do that, you've got to focus on God's purpose and God's word. And Esther, insu- uh, Esther uh, Ezra ensures that that's the case. If we, if we, if we, and I love trying to do this, and we'll wrap up, we'll wrap up the episode with this. Uh, if we try to wrap it back up into what we originally were talking about at the beginning of this episode about Titus, yeah, and Titus being really like Paul giving yeah. t- Titus instruction about. Out of good doctrine, yeah. your life will be good. Like, yeah. you know, this is it. Yeah. It's all, you can see the roots of that here with what Ezra is pleading Absolutely. with the people. Absolutely. That's a good connection because they, they are going back and that they are meant to live completely different sorts of lives. Mm. I mean, the whole problem before the exile was that they were just like all of the other nations. So Ezra is coming, Ezra wants to ensure that they live the distinct lives that they're called to live uh, as they. Uh, as they anticipate the coming of the Messiah, and this is um, this, I think, is a message that's just so poignant for us that we are we are called to a completely different kind of life, and the themes that come out of the book of Ezra and Nehemiah underscore that beautifully. So there you have it. Episode 22, the bonus extra double down. Uh, I don't know what we're going to come up and call this one. Now, this is only relevant for those of you who are listening live as we put them out. I know there'll be people listening in the far flung future as you just uh, go through all the episodes and welcome to you as well. Uh, So good to have everybody listening and uh, thank you for sharing these podcasts with your friends. If you want to help us, the best way that you can help us is just recommend this podcast to a friend, just one friend, pop it on social media, tell someone about it, play it for someone and get them involved as well. That goes such a long way for us in the work that we're doing here. All right, we'll be back on Friday with your regularly scheduled program, episode 23, as we move into Ezra. Uh, It'll be great to be back into our schedule, but thank you so much for all the support all the kind words that you say. Make sure you listen to what the wonderful voiceover lady Benita says here at the end and visit us online because we would love to hear from you. All right, until next time, bye. provided by the talented Rod Gear. For more information, head to rodgearmusic.com. The podcast is recorded at the studios of Geelong Christian Media Incorporated, then edited and produced by DJP.fm.
Join the conversation online with nearly 400 other listeners at facebook.com slash groups slash thrive deeper. 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 so discombobulated mm. with all of the mm. traveling that you've done and everything that you've got on i'm taking advantage of that and saying yeah it's time mm. to record again i never liked the word bonus I, something uh cheap about it oh. <laughs> that was a bonus a bonus uh, phone call bonus phone call from the manager oh. no take it take it take it i'll pause it i'll pause it you take it he's gonna say what are you doing hey Stu, how are you going that's all right uh no we're actually doing the podcast at the moment we, we we paused it because my phone rang and and it, fo- it rang and during DJ the said, during you, you might as well just take it. You know this is going to be the hidden hidden blooper at the end of the podcast now, Stu. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I'll do that. No worries at all. That's all good. Okay, cheers. Can you? Are you oh, he's gone. <laughs> he's out of there. That's okay. Okay, sorry. That's a classic. That's the uh, the third member of the team, Mr. Stuart Duncan, yeah, calling right. in. Yeah. He wants to. He wants to. Uh, no, he will never ever want to jump on the microphone no, no, here at no, all. No. That's as much as you're ever going to hear from him. Uh, so um, yeah, so we need to come up with another word for bonus. Uh, it's just an extra. It's just a double down. I don't know what it is.